It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Kane back of the net. He sent it in front. Carpenter to Sonny. He scores! And Patrick Kane has a thousand NHL points! Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines concerning your Chicago Blackhawks. Here's the shot blocked by Coin. Coin shovels it out in front of her. It's a one-on-one. Coin with a shorthanded chance. He scores! As a young kid, I, I always dreamed to be a part of this organization. And while that has evolved over time from maybe being a player to being a player development coach, it's finally here, and I'm so excited to be a part of this organization. Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. I'm your Blackhawks pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio when the Blackhawks are playing games. Chris Bowden, joined by the Blackhawks reporter when they are playing games. Joe Brand, who also does weekend sports here on WGN Radio. And some news as well, newsboy. I'm going to start calling you Joe Majors or Joe Sapelsa or Joe Curtis or something like that. And he's also newly shorn too. We'll get to that in a bit. But uh, overall, how are you, Mister Mister Joe Brand? I'm I'm doing okay. Uh, please don't set the bar that high. This is uh, just something I'm I'm very fortunate to be involved the with. The more and hats you can wear, exactly, yes, exactly. But no, everyone's been fantastic. Everyone's uh, basically taken my hand and shown me the way. And uh, haven't done a lot of news since college, but it's it's been a fun little ride. And uh, you know, it's a fun team we got here. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of different roles, and uh, nobody steps on anyone's toes, really. So it's it's a good environment to be around in. I'll try not to step on your toes during this uh, Blackhawks oh, Crazy podcast. Away. And uh, again, we'll get to some of those uh, other matters as well. But the big matter at hand, first of all, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone. As we record here on Friday morning, we are a week away from Christmas for those who celebrate it. But we are still waiting for the NHL to get their stuff together. And uh, they are certainly jumping through as many hoops as possible and we'll we'll address that as well and as we await some official word on the nhl season whether it's going to start on january 13th or a little bit later the blackhawks certainly made some news today and finally putting a stamp on their organization's upper structure moving forward danny wirtz will remain in uh his role as a ceo actually he will be ceo the interim tag was uh, removed from his title there as uh, he moved into that role shortly after uh, John McDonough and the Blackhawks parted ways back in the spring. Stan Bowman received a promotion in addition to being general manager. He is also now the president of hockey operations. And uh, as a lot of people I think expected, the Blackhawks did divide that president CEO role into uh, two divisions. Uh, Stan Bowman is in charge of hockey operations and the Blackhawks uh, announced the hiring of Jamie Faulkner, who was previously the CEO of a group called E15. She now becomes the Blackhawks president of business operations. And Joe, I just want to get your first reaction before we hear from Danny and Jamie and Stan. In terms of this announcement, I'm not sure if there was any huge surprise in terms of Danny staying on. You know, maybe some people wondered whether that role was. Uh, going to be for him because he holds a lot of other roles in the Wirtz family and all their businesses. And the fact that Stan had remained as general manager this far into things. Uh, But I think the the big thing here, and I want to get your reaction to it as well, is that the fact that they have divided this up into hockey on one side, business on the other, and two separate people running those uh, divisions of the Blackhawks organization. Yeah, that's definitely the biggest thing. Uh, Once John McDonough was let go... 
there was instantly the speculation of his relationship with Stan Bowman and, you know, questions arose and it's understood why that would happen. So now in this case, in this scenario, what the Blackhawks are doing moving forward, you got your one person in charge of the business side, another person in charge of the hockey side. I mean, just think of it this way. Recently, Stan Bowman was talking about when John McDonough was still in place. He's got to go to him and and not so much ask for approval of moves, but at least he's got to run it by him. He's he's going to ask his opinion. And one of the, the most interesting things I took from that was John McDonough was always very thorough with Stan Bowman. He would he would make sure that Stan did all of his homework on whatever move was about to be made and just wanted to make that apparent and would ask questions, okay, well, why are you going in this direction? And why do you lean that way? And have you thought about this? So... That's not happening in this scenario whatsoever. And whether you like Stan Bowman or you don't, this is now his role. He's the top guy on the hockey side of the Chicago Blackhawks organization. So it's all him, good or bad. And anything that goes right or anything that goes wrong all falls under him. How many, I mean, John McDonough was part of that press conference when Joel Quinville was let go and Jeremy Colleton was brought in. That's not going to happen anymore. This is going to be Stan Bowman's place and role and responsibility. So I do like that for this organization moving forward. I think that's important to do, to basically separate those roles. Everyone understands that, fans, people in the organization. Um, But also, you do incorporate somebody from the outside and bringing them in with Jamie Faulkner. And we'll get to a few of the hurdles I think she's going to have heading into this year, because like everybody, it's a very, very difficult season, <laughs> so it's got to be even more difficult to just take the reins of a job with this prestige, and it's going to be challenging, but I also think some some of the things that are going on this year can work in her favor to set up some success moving forward, but overall, yeah, it's it, it's great to see someone from the outside coming into this specific role, and it's good to see the Blackhawks taking a progressive approach, and again, whether or not you like Stan Bowman, it's now all on him, and it's it's his thing moving forward, and he has final say over everything on the hockey side, so there's there's no more hiding behind any decisions being made for whoever makes them. And one of the words you will hear from Danny Wirtz here as, as we tee him up from a uh, media conference that he had via Zoom with uh, local Blackhawks beat reporters, actually a couple of national people as well, accountability. And um, uh, that is even a bigger word on Stan Bowman's plate right now with the promotion that he has received. There are different ways to skin a cat to success, and the Blackhawks certainly had that under John McDonough, three times champion, and Stan Bowman was a part of all those three, those that can make the argument that, okay, he didn't draft Jonathan Taves, he didn't draft Patrick Kane, but nevertheless, when you look at the body of work and the importance of a general manager's role over the past uh, decade in the in the salary cap era, no team has won three Stanley Cups. Pittsburgh is great. They won Three starting in 2009, but then had to separate that and come back and win in 16 and 17 with the greatness of the likes of, of Crosby and Fleury and Malkin and Latang. But uh, no one has won them three in a span of six years. And uh, you will hear Stan Bowman a little bit later on as well in this podcast talking about his hunger and determination to get the Blackhawks uh, back atop. Uh, that role, even though they have struggled over the course of the last couple of years. And uh, the one word that hasn't been used over the course of the last two or three years, even though it was happening before our very eyes, 
is a rebuild while trying to keep your core players in place. But without further ado, let's hear from the new CEO of the Blackhawks, uh, Danny Wirtz, who was introduced on uh, Wednesday um, and uh, then had a formal conference call with uh, the Blackhawks beat on Thursday. And uh, we want to let you hear all of it pretty much in its entirety, how he reacts to certain questions. And you'll hear him discuss, you know, uh, how quickly um, and uh, how important it was to divide these two roles particularly in the sports world today, in um, the COVID era, if you will. He also addresses the logo question, his commitment to uh, remaining um, diligent and uh, faithful to educating, uh, using this as an educational tool to Blackhawks fans and to fans everywhere in terms of keeping the logo. His attempt to do that, even though other sports teams have drifted away from that. Also, uh, how he'll measure success between Stan and Jamie, and also uh, Stan challenging himself, as you hear, to be better in his, this particular role and trying to bring the Blackhawks back atop the mountain. But uh, first, he discussed uh, how Stan's role may or may not change with his promotion to president of hockey operations. To me, this was a chance to sort of, with a clean sheet of paper, um, build these positions from scratch, essentially, and to and to make sure we had the right structure in place, and then ultimately the responsibilities that go with that. So for Stan, you know, in many ways, it won't be a huge departure, but I think even the um, the the way in which it's structured is to give him the accountability, um, the complete line of sight, um, and obviously the support and empowerment from us. Uh, to to lead the hockey operations, and that's everything. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that goes into that. You know, we we often see the end result of the team on the ice, but you know, the, all the components that go under that from our from our drafting, um, our youth development, um, you know, and all the other administrative and salary cap aspects of it. So it's really about sort of just making sure that that's focused. Um, he has the accountability. Um, and he um, and he's empowered to go and make the decisions and do the things we need to do to, to, to get our team, you know, back to that elite level. If you could uh, take me through the process of uh, since you took over as interim president of to becoming CEO um, and your family has expressed uh, having a new vision. So if you could uh, talk about the process of uh, whether you considered new voices on the hockey side and you know, spending time with Stan in, uh, in Edmonton and coming to this conclusion uh, that he should lead hockey ops. The, the vision was an important piece. Um, I think in, in these sort of situations, you can, you can quickly fast forward to the end result, which is usually a person in, in a role. And we wanted to be very thoughtful about making sure that it was a vision that that frankly incorporated all aspects of the of the of the organization, both both hockey and business, and that's to reimagine the potential of hockey, and you know to build a culture that is uh, highly curious, that wants to grow and operates with a growth mindset. Those are the those are the real tenets of of our new vision, and so, you know. I think sometimes you can, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of make two points here. One is you can bring new for the sake of new, or you can, you can work, work with existing folks who have a a hunger and curiosity to grow and learn and develop. And I think that's what I really took away from Stan was that he wasn't satisfied. He was not a finished product. He was interested in advancing himself, advancing our hockey operations. And so he, he exhibited just as much of the aspiration as we have on our business side. 
um, this wasn't just like a historical thing or we're just going to sort of put our feet on our desk because we've had success in the past. You know, he exhibited the kind of aspiration and thinking differently. We're looking to, to embed it across all aspects. So those were a lot of the things that, that, that led us, you know, specifically to, to Stan's role and that he was the right person to still continue to want to push forward and to continue to reinvent how we do things on the hockey side. So, um, so I very much, you know, think that's a, that's a, a really important cultural element. And then you translate that into obviously the hockey side or the business side and bringing in uh, Jamie, um, that really is an injection of new thinking, an injection of a uh, new approach to business and combined. I think it's actually a, a quite a dynamic group of people who, who think differently, who are curious and who want to um, find new ways to be successful in the sport. What will be uh, your measurement of success uh, in how you hold them accountable, both in the short term and long term? What is that reimagining of hockey on both sides? Absolutely. Well, um, we're, we're in the process and we will, you know, collaborate on what those, what those KPIs are both on the hockey side and the business side. And I think the important thing is clearly, you know, we have, you know, year on year expectations like any business, right? We, we want to perform and we want to grow year on year, but we also have to find some balance too. We need to find balance and sort of making sure we're doing things for the long term. So there'll be an element of long term growth, um, which again applies to both sides of the business, um, and there'll be so those those will be across your 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 key indicators that you would expect. Danny, uh, the Cleveland Indians are decided uh, they're going to be changing their name, and obviously this is something that we've talked about uh, with the team over the past. I'm, I'm curious about your reaction to that, and do you believe that the Blackhawks name and logo is going to be in it for the long haul, or is that something that's going to need to be looked at closer? Um, well, obviously, um, you know, respect the decision the Indians made, uh, Cleveland. Indians made to, to, to go down that path, but we, uh, we continue to, to, you know, deepen our commitment, uh, to upholding our, our namesake and our brand, um, the work we've been doing over the last several months, um, and expanding and deepening conversations and partnerships within the native community. Um, we continue to feel really, um, positive about the types of work we can do, uh, the way in which we can be better stewards of the namesake and the history and to use our platforms to be um, educators, um, not only for um, our fans, but for our internal internal teams, and making sure that we we provide that 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 reverence and respect uh, that we talk about, but we want it to come to life in everything we do across so many dimensions, both um, from a marketing standpoint, from a learning and education standpoint, and from uh, by all means a community standpoint, and ways in which we have integrated um, native voices into a lot of those efforts. So. Uh, we're going to continue down this path and um, and continue to um, uh, hold hold our our, our brand up uh, in, in the highest in the highest levels of honor. With the team on the ice, and obviously uh, uh, we've all been uh, the Blackhawks fans have been spoiled with some of the a lot of the success that they've had the last couple of years. Do you put a timetable, uh, or do you have an idea of when you would like to see this team get back to consistency, playoffs, uh, all of this? It's not as much a time bound thing, but by all means, you know, we are, we are competitive and as anxious as anyone. And so every year we, we start the season with a lot of, you know, high expectations and a lot of optimism. Um, you know, the important thing, I think beyond just 
time horizons is actual is, is seeing that improvement. You know, we expect each year to to build upon the last year, and um, and and by all means, we want to we want to make that as soon as possible. Um, but we also want to be patient with the process. We want to let the development process happen in the best way so that we can not only get back to that level that we want to be at, but we can stay there for a longer period of time. So for me, the, the time horizon is more about that sustainable time period and how long we can stay there than how fast it will take for us to get there. Um, it, it's a, it's a, it's, I understand that as it's, it's a, it's a hard position and, and fans rightfully so want to get there tomorrow. And, uh, and we do too. Um, and we probably have the luxury of being in this multi-generational business to sort of have a little bit of patience on it, but it's a combination of, of, of making sure we do it right and getting there. Um, but in, in a, in a timeframe that makes sense. At what point did it become clear to you to structure uh, the organization this way based on what the Blackhawks and all sports are facing right now? And, and how quickly in that process did, uh, did Jamie become the person who really differentiated herself for this? Sure. Well, I think, you know, over the summer, as the summer went on and we were kind of, um, you know, you first start off with, as I said, vision and you start to build your strategies and you start to think about structure and what have we learned, you know, from the past? What types of structures will be needed for the future? You uh, you talk to other teams, or you you look at structures across other sports and, and sort of where there's been successful, and and then it then it did come down to this idea of sort of um, why do we have to pick one or the other, and, and and actually why can't we have the best of both? How, why can't we have the best you know hockey expert leading our hockey side and the very best uh, progressive business leader on the business side, and so. Once we kind of got our, our, our heads around that idea, um, it became quite exciting then to go and go through a search process uh, that brought us to Jamie um, and to and to build the skill sets and the profile of what we were looking for, which was definitely a more uh, out of the box thinker, um, someone that, that sort of. Um, you know, looks at, at, at business opportunities differently. Um, we have such a successful business, and, and I want to state that you know um, the, the foundation in which we're operating from is 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 tremendous. I mean, we we have built an amazing base business of the Chicago Blackhawks, but the uh, aspirations we have are sort of what's what's beyond that, and that that's going to take a specific type of leader, and that's what led us through the search process to, to Jamie, and 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 of course finding someone that not only brings all of that, that new thinking and, and, a, and a sort of digital first mindset, but that also has been in such proximity to the, to the sports model, right? That she knows the business model of sports um, across multiple leagues, what's been successful, what are holding teams and leagues back. And it sort of became this great blend of, of both worlds um, and obviously the, the perfect fit for us at the Blackhawks. So that's kind of how we got to this, uh, got to this stage. Um, Danny, I know you, you said that Stan has, has full control of the hockey side now. And I, I guess over the last seven months, as you assessed that side of it, th- did you find that that he wasn't, I guess, fully accountable or that he wasn't fully in control, that um, other other voices or just, I, I guess, it, you know, there were other people that were also part of that decision making that now that it was that it made sense now to give him full control of that? Uh, I don't know if it was as much a reflection on on what he had or didn't have in terms of control before, but I do think there's a there's a piece to sort of reframing what's expected, right? And and with that comes reframing your role, what you're responsible and accountable for, and what the expectations are. And so that's kind of where we 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 started from, and um, and also you know I think the important thing here is sort of um, 
you know, the decision-making while, while he is the ultimate say on the hockey side, you know, there's a tremendous amount of really good voices that, that, that Stan leans on daily, whether that's Al McIsaac, uh, Mark Bernard, uh, Mark Kelly. Um, th- these, these are voices that are really important to the whole process too. So um, I don't want to sort of um, uh, just, it's not Stan and Stan only. It is, it is a system of, of really smart hockey minds that, that go into the decision-making process. So just, it's really about reframing that of what we need now and ensuring that he knows that, you know, I'm not going to come over the top and, you know, get in the middle of, of some personnel decisions. The big stuff we're always going to talk about, right? Stan always had conversations with, with Rocky and our family about, you know, really the big, the big decisions that we have because we have to be prepared for those things. But, you know, you want to give leaders the autonomy to make those decisions and, uh, and, and, and hold them accountable for those decisions. So that's really what it's about more going forward than trying to fix something that may or may not have been there before. You know, I know some fans were not thrilled, I guess, with Stan's promotion. I just was wondering if you could kind of tell us what you thought he did to deserve the promotion. And then my other question is just kind of more on the league side. Like, how important do you think it is for some teams, for fans to be able to be in the stands this year to stay financially viable? And is it something that's holding up the start of the season at this point? Sure. So first with Stan, um, you know, I think there's a combination of, you know, what he's done clearly. I mean, he has a body of work that we're extremely proud of, right. You know, his, his, his role in reshaping three Stanley cup teams uh, multiple times, you know, cannot be, you know, um, misunderstood or or, or, or underappreciated. But at the same time, you know, everyone is held accountable to today and where we're going. And so um, Stan has set forth a vision uh, for where he wants to take the organization and the, and the, and the hockey team, uh, a system to get us there. And, uh, and he's been obviously very transparent in the last couple of months about um, a more uh, development approach uh, to, to rebuilding this organization, to balance our amazing um, core talent but also bringing in those young players. And so those are all the things that is, that is in motion. That is a, that is a process that has started several years ago. That's in motion right now. And so for me, it was more about sort of ensuring that he is positioned properly to lead that going forward. Right. This isn't a reward for 2010. This is about, he is the one in the seat right now driving us and driving this current strategy to 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 um, uh, to to get us back to that elite level. So uh, that's that's really what went into it. And um, again, I you know um, we have a lot of trust in Stan. I think his his, his knowledge is great, and he's a he's a he's a growth minded leader. I think you 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 don't always see that, especially people that have had success. Uh, a lot of people that have had success that becomes the end. That's the stopping point. They stop. They stop. They and they rely on that. Um, and what I think the, the encouraging thing for us with Stan is that that is a great piece of his history, but his work is not done. And he is not, uh, he is not satisfied with just the previous success. He's hungry for more. He's hungry to grow as a leader and he's hungry to contribute, you know, another championship team to the Chicago Blackhawks. When you finally decide that you thought that you wanted to make this move with Stan and make him the president of hockey operations, was there any talk about um, then hiring a GM or promoting someone to a GM in terms of structure, either, like I said, either from outside or even promoting from within? Uh, no, I, obviously, I think these are these these decisions you kind of make in, in sequence, too. Um, and, and that would be a decision that that Stan would make. Right. So getting this part right and getting that that true leadership and also knowing that he's 
highly capable and experienced in, in also being and fulfilling the GM duties. Um, it wasn't an initial thought that we needed to, to sort of create that additional role or add that additional layer. So um, Stan will obviously assume this this role. And if, if that's something he needs to do or decides to do, it makes sense. By all means, we'll explore it. But that will be a decision he'll have to make. But for now, um, we think that 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 it's absolutely um, within his capacity to do that. Um, he's got the, the desire and experience to do it. And I think it's important to to keep keep the organization as flat as possible and decision-making as, as streamlined as possible. We touched on it a moment ago, Joe, about the word accountability, and uh, that becomes even more important in this role for Stan Bowman. Um, uh, there is no doubt he has gained a lot of trust within the organization, particularly the Wirtz family, to get this promotion. But uh, as we mentioned, the body of work for those who want to complain about what's uh, happened over the course of the last three, four, five years, um, again, you have uh, Pittsburgh winning in 09 and 16 and 17. They have won three in the salary cap area, but separated by a lot more. You have L.A. winning two with the likes of, you know, a Kopitar, a Dowdy, and a Quick. And they have been in a rebuild over the course of the last year or two. But um, in the Wirtz's minds, Stan Bowman has earned this trust. And you'll hear from him a little bit later about even though he comes across as, uh, you know, uh, very calm and laid back and reserved, uh, there is a burning desire within him that he may not show to the public that he wants to get this team back to the pinnacle. And some of these pieces he believes are in place with the likes of Doc and DeBrinkett and Kubalik and Mitchell and Boquist. Those are stepping stones, he hopes, to what will be greatness in the future and hopefully not too far down the road while Taves and Kane and uh, and perhaps even Duncan Keith are still here as, as important pieces. But, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to him that uh, it's a pretty significant tree that he is a part of a family of. The apple doesn't fall too far. And Scotty publicly wasn't a very rambunctious guy in winning all of his rings behind the bench. I think stands very much the same way, but there, there's still a burning desire that the public may not see. And uh, through trying to complete or, or take steps toward this rebuild that sometimes aren't necessarily pretty. And we've seen that over the course of the last couple of years. But uh, there are steps in the process. We all want it to happen quickly. We're an I-want-it-now society right now. And um, uh, there are steps in this process that you know are, are very slow and painstaking. And uh, Stan, uh, to say the least, certainly has the Wurtz's family ear and their trust in him to see this through. I also think that their relationship grew and strengthened during the whole hub, the playoff hub in Edmonton, because those two were working so closely. It was it was a unique and maybe at some points awkward role for Danny Wirtz coming into that position of uh, replacing John McDonough for the time being. So, you know, those two were very close-knit with each other during that because, number one, you don't really have much where else to go during the whole uh, isolation up in Edmonton. So I think they talked a lot. They gained a, a pretty strong relationship. And, look, again, I understand there's people out there that still have a lot of criticism of Stan Bowman, and that's valid, and I have some too. But I've said this before, you have to keep in mind of the moves that he has done correctly. Kirby Doc turned out to be a fantastic player for the Hawks this year. He's done other things for the future of this team that will help the organization moving forward. And I think more than anything, he wants to see those things come to fruition. And that's maybe what drives that whole 
uh, extra intensity to get back on the horse with this whole thing. The one thing I'll, I'll definitely give credit to Stan Bowman is every time he talks, it's not it's not about hey, I did these moves. Um, he's not trying to make up for the things that have gone wrong. He has taken blame in multiple circumstances, and he's talked about the future of the organization. He's always put that, I don't want to say first, but in terms of when he talks to people and talks to the media, he's always put that first, how this is why I'm going in this direction, this is why we're approaching it this way. And when you gain the trust of the ownership and you do have some things on your resume, along with the Stanley Cups that had been won, but when you have the the moves that are a current example of the right decision being made under his watch, you're going to gain some more trust and you're going to be put in this type of position. I also think that, listen, it's sports in the 2000s. No matter how many championships you win, you still expect more. And that's fine. That's that's totally valid. There's some Yankee fans out there that still think they should have a couple more <laughs> World Series. But that's just going to come with sports. And again, I... Cubs I'm, fans, too. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a whole other <laughs> argument and conversation. Uh, don't even want to go down the Bears rabbit hole. But... Um, but but that's going to happen with fandom, with, with organizations, any of that. And we do live in the society where, oh, you screwed up, you're gone. You're done. Uh so th- this approach that the Hawks have taken is maybe a little bit untraditional of what's going on in sports these days, especially when the fandom is on the side of pitchforks and torches. and Blow it all up if yeah, it's not working. Exactly, exactly. And again, I'm not saying that all those fans that think that are wrong to a capacity. I think that that could be beneficial for the Hawks too, but you, you just have to look at two sides to this coin and you have to understand, okay, I, I don't want to call it the last ride for Stan Bowman because who knows what happens with Jeremy Colleton these next couple of years in either direction. And if Stan Bowman gets credit for that or blame for that or what have you. But again, this is Stan Bowman's job. This is his ship and he's the captain and he's going to lead it to whatever direction he wants and he's got the final say so it's it's he's the last one at the line the blackhawks have decided to move ahead with a mix of continuity and change uh the continuity being stan bowman whether fans like it and, and, and we are not saying there aren't things that uh, you know if you, you get Stan in a, a certain atmosphere. Perhaps he said, yeah, if I had to do that over again, may, maybe I would do it a little differently. Uh, I, I think everyone uh, is like that. So he is the continuity aspect of that, whether fans like it or not. The change aspect of this is bringing in yet another woman. I mean, our last podcast was about a yeah. woman gaining a significant role in the Blackhawks organization. This certainly, to another extent, is even more significant with the hiring of Jamie Faulkner. She was the CEO of a company named E15. She's been in town here for the last 10 years or so as her husband Colin has moved into an executive position with the with the Chicago Cubs. Um, but uh, certainly has a very interesting background. She, a couple of years ago, five years ago or so, was among the uh, 40 under 40 to to watch. So this is a new, fresh voice that the Blackhawks are bringing, bringing into their organization. We'll get into this a little bit after we hear from Jamie, is that, you know, these are some difficult shoes these days to be in charge of. Uh, with the COVID epidemic, with no fans being in buildings or very limited fans being in buildings, and who knows what the NHL is going to end up doing. 
for the uh, foreseeable future, the 2021 season. But uh, let's hear from Jamie about her. Uh, eventually, you'll hear from her being, yes, another example setter, kind of like Kendall Coyne Schofield is, as we heard in our last podcast. Also, kind of what her style will be in terms of her visibility within the organization and with fans um, and her uh, wanting the Hawks to be on the radar of every Blackhawks fan for 365 days a year, not just on game days or practice days or in the season. But she's talking about how to make that a 365-day-a-year exposure and business, if you will. But as we first hear from Jamie Faulkner, she talks about how thrilled she is to be a part of this organization. I'm incredibly excited about this opportunity. Uh, I've spent most of my career in sports, um, as well as working with some of the best companies in the world around technology, um, consumer experiences, content generation, and to get to bring that together and build on what the Blackhawks have already done, which has been incredible, both on the ice and off the ice, um, to just take it to the next level is is humbling for me um, and, and super exciting, and I can't wait to get started in January. Curious, did you go to an area high school and – and when you graduated. And then also, you mentioned being a, a Billet family to Jacob Slavin yesterday. I'm just curious how you guys, you know, decided to do that. And did it help you at all, you know, understanding the game of hockey and what goes into a fan experience and things like that? Yeah, so so I didn't grow up here, but we've been here for a little over 10 years in Chicago. Um, and right when we moved here, actually, our neighbors across the street um, were a Billet family. And prior to moving to Chicago, um, my husband actually worked for the Dallas Stars for 10 years. So um, our little guys, our, who are teenagers now, grew up playing hockey. So when we moved here, um, we saw they had such a great experience billeting. We lived very close to the rink um, at the time in Bensonville for the Chicago Steel. And so we got connected with them um, and decided to be a billet family. We were very lucky to get Jacob as uh, our first billet kid. We had many um, go through the house. Um, And it was an incredible experience for us. I think we had a really good understanding of the business of hockey. Certainly my younger ones were playing hockey. And I think what having Jacob in our house um, did for us was really understand what it's like to be in juniors, what it's like for them to compete at that level, the dedication, the amount of work, balancing school and being on on the ice, which was a great example for our kids. Um, so I think it gave us a, just a different lens and aspect of, of what it was like to be in the game of hockey. You know, the, the success that the Blackhawks had and what they built uh, was pretty astounding. But now it seems to be a pivot point, a turning point, for the organization, you know, mentioning the word rebuild, they haven't had as much success over the last three, four years. How do you think that will challenge you as you look to um, continue to engage the fan base and maybe a fan base that's frustrated by that being the case? And I, and I should say, I'm sorry, can I add, and how, do, how does COVID play a role in all of that? Yeah, I, I think the one thing that I've learned in all of my research and work with fans is that whether you have a winning team or a losing team, we owe it to our fans every day to earn the right to have them participate and engage for every event and every day. And I think our goal is going to be to make this an incredible experience 365 days out of the year in arena and on game day and on non-game days. Um, and I think 
I think COVID is actually going to accelerate some of the things that, that we've really needed from a fan experience standpoint, better technology, um, better ways and faster ways of getting player stats and information to them. And so I think the technology um, adoption that we've seen over COVID will serve us really well as we begin to implement those new strategies with our fans and will allow us to begin to open up different types of engagement with them when they're not in the arena. And I think when we can bring them back on game day, um, it'll be amazing. And then we can be interacting with them um, every day, uh, all year long. You made a comment earlier saying you need information to make decisions and just given your background in data consulting and strategy, how do you see some of that background manifesting itself throughout the organization? And I realize you are, you know, this, (laughs) you're brand new. So, um, but yeah, curious on that, in that uh, respect. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Um, I, it'll be one of the first things that I, I do when I, when I get there in January is really assess what information do we have today? What data is available? Um, what do we need to go get? I think um, we want in order to make very thoughtful and sound decisions, um, we've got to have good information. And there is more information available today than we've ever had before. We need to understand not only what our fans want and expect, when they're with us on game day, we need to know what they want and how they're living their lives and making decisions and spending their time and money when they're not with us so that we can create expectations and experiences that are amazing for them. Um, but I do think we have to balance it with, so it can't be just data driven. We need to balance it with what the fans feel and their emotions about the product. And so I think the combination of both what our fans say and the data gives us a really complete picture of, of how to create the best product um, and experiences for them. Well, how would you describe your leadership style and your position? It kind of sets the tone for the basically the whole uh, business side of the organization. How would you describe uh, yeah, your leadership and, um, and what you look for from what you're going to look for from the organization? Yeah, I, I think I would describe myself as a servant leader. I feel like I my I work for my staff, I work for the fans um, and for the team. Um, I think communication is really important. I think when you set a vision, um, you set clear plans, everybody knows how they fit into that. It's a win for everybody. Um, and you have fun when you're doing that, then you'll have an incredible organization that can do anything. And I, I think... You know, you can have the smartest strategies in the world, but if you don't have the best culture and the best people, you can't deliver on that. And so I'm, I'm really excited to get to partner with Stan and with Danny and to, to set an incredible culture for the workplace there um, so that we can accomplish and achieve some really great things. Jamie, you've touched on it a little bit here, but um, how, how exactly will fans, you know, feel your presence with the organization? How is it going to affect their day-to-day lives, their experience? Uh, your, your predecessor, John McDonough, was a very public face of this organization. Do you plan to be that kind of public face too? Or is your stuff going to be kind of more under the radar? Well, I, I definitely uh, want to be with the fans. I think you know one of the things I'm known for in the industry is I joke about my strong sneaker game because um, I spent a lot of time during events talking with fans standing in line with them as they're entering the building, going to the box office, watching the employees get checked in, talking with them on the concourse and really understanding what their journey is like. Why are there fans? Why did they decide to come? What are the things that we can do better? So I think the fans will see me show up all over the arena um, and be very accessible to them. And, and I want to be that way. I think we've got to have a really 
great relationship with our fans um, so that we can deliver great experiences for them. And then I want to be in the community. I want to be working on our next set of new fans that will be coming in. And so um, I think I'll be very present and available um, because I want to listen and learn from them again, because I feel like I work for them and I want to make sure that we're delivering for them um, on game day and on game day. Can you tell me just personally how this feels for you that you're in such a high profile job as, as a female, you said you were a sports fan growing up, what, what this all means to you. And of course, how it filters down to other young women who are looking that they can do this kind of thing as well. Yeah. I love this question. Um, it's exciting. Um, I, one of the things that attracted me honestly to uh, coming and working for the Blackhawks organization and in Danny is they are very committed to diversity And I obviously take that very seriously. Um, I have an 18-year-old daughter who's a freshman at college who has always wanted to follow in her dad's footsteps, who is also in sports. And for me to be able to look at her and say, hey, you don't have to just aspire to be head of marketing or head of social media, um, which are really great jobs, but to be able to look at her and say, you can run a team one day is pretty powerful. And I think I, I'm super excited to join Kendall and a bunch of other amazing great women like Valerie Camillo at the Flyers, Gillian Zucker, who runs the Clippers, to be able to look at, at, at the females today who are in the front offices and say, you, the opportunity for you is now. The talent is there. The capabilities are there. The skills are there. It's going to be our job to be intentional about giving them and, and everyone else the right opportunities to grow and develop. Joe, these are some daunting shoes to fill. Uh, anyone who runs the business aspect of professional sports organizations, minor league sports organizations, how this all fits in. Heck, we're trying to figure out how even high school sports should run in certain in certain states right now. But uh, to be the head of this organization, and again, uh, stick tap, hats off, applause for the Blackhawks uh, being... Uh, bring diversity into the equation here and in such a significant role we're seeing that more and more but um it takes a a person with a lot of confidence and will and know-how to jump into this kind of situation with covid being what it is and the challenges that sports organizations have right now with revenue trying to find ways to make money and you heard her in that clip saying COVID is actually may have been a blessing to try and move these things forward that we're eventually going to see and kind of step on the gas for some of these revenue streams that haven't even been touched yet. But, you know, just have we've kind of seen the tip of the iceberg. And uh, for someone to dive into that with that much enthusiasm, I I think uh, the Blackhawks uh, certainly have a a very interesting woman on their hands in Jamie Faulkner and uh, something to be excited about, too, and something that they and every sports organization needs right now if she can see this through. Well, I think that's a a good point she brings up because, you know, COVID has forced us to do so many things, but it's also forced us for a lot of us in in jobs that involve entertainment or or anything to to do something different, to learn something new or, or find a different way to present the product. And that's why I said earlier that maybe this can be beneficial for her in this position because you're forced 
to have fan interaction when fans can't go to the games. So there are trial and error things. There are experimental things that you need to do in order to move forward with. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued in what she's going to be able to do at that capacity. I'm intrigued by what type of creativity level she, she'll have with this job. I do think that it's a totally different job than John McDonough. I know it's the same title and role, but... Again, not involved with the hockey operations. I mean, when when John McDonough was let go, we talked about all the different things he did and all the fingerprints he had everywhere with uh, players wearing hats after the game for the media and just kind of created this business-like ambiance with the team and everything. So, again, I, I think her role, her responsibility will be at a slightly different capacity. And again, she is not going to be intertwined with Stan Bowman, but but I'm very intrigued and interested to see everything she's going to be able to do. Uh, I really liked how she said we, we got to get involved with the community. Um, we saw how much this town became a hockey town when the Blackhawks took off in 2009 and then in 2010 and then the other Stanley Cups. And, and I think there's, there's still just so much to gain in that whole environment of, of creating new Blackhawks fans and, and spreading the brand of the Chicago Blackhawks even more. And, and I'm interested to see how she's going to do that. And I'm sure working with Kendall Coyne Schofield in that regard too, because that's part of her role of the, uh, the youth engagement of, of working with young hockey players and, and things of that nature. So it's, it's a cool, exciting time and, and definitely excited to see, uh, how she does with it. Her husband used to work for the Dallas Stars. He's now, as we mentioned, a member of the front office of, of the Cubs. She, you heard her talk about being, a, a billet family when they first moved to Chicago. Jacob Slavin, whose younger brother, Josiah, was a draft pick of the Blackhawks and in their organization, even though he's playing college hockey right now. Um, John Dietz of the Daily Herald had, had a cool piece uh, talking to Jacob Slavin about his belief in what Jamie will be able to do just based on the time that he had with her uh, as being uh, his billet family when he was playing here for the Chicago Steel. Finally, let's hear from Stan Bowman. You hear from Stan a lot lately on this podcast as the Blackhawks have tried to become a little bit more transparent in their rebuild and uh, over the course of the resumption of play and uh, the playoffs, if you will. Let's hear from Stan again now that he has been promoted to this role as president of Hockey Operations. And uh, you will eventually hear about his desire to return to the top and how that is kind of a thing that people don't see from him every day and how it is uh, really driving him, especially now, uh, in this new role that he has been entrusted to bringing the Blackhawks back to the top as uh, he engineered kind of a couple of rebuilds on the fly in winning the 13 and 15 Cups after the 2010 Stanley Cup Championship. And you also hear him talking about uh, uh, you know perhaps hiring a GM under him that might necessarily be immediately on the radar right now. Uh, also the challenge of contending and developing at the same time as he had to do uh, during those three Stanley Cups in six years. But as we begin to hear from Stan Bowman, he starts out by talking about uh, he doesn't foresee a change in his role very much, at least to start. Probably the biggest change is just going to be, you know, looking forward with uh, the way that I operate more internally. Um, You know, hockey-wise, you know, for the most part, things are going to continue on the way they've been. Um, But, you know, part of a new role in leadership um, is to really play, play an active role in the development of your, uh, of your staff. You know, I think one of the things we want to try and invest in our, and we have a lot of new uh, people in new positions. Uh, we've promoted a few younger people and, you know, part of the job is to guide them in the coming years so that, 
they can expand their careers and, and learn new things. So that was certainly always part of my job. But now, you know, within my new role, I think that's something that um, is going to be uh, even more important going forward. And, you know, hockey wise, it's certainly nice to know that, you know, you're going to be able to play out your vision as you want uh, going forward. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot over the last couple of months about where we're headed as an organization. And, uh, you know, I think the we're going to try to be as clear as we can moving forward with what we're doing. And, uh, you know, I guess that would be my, my short answer to how it's not going to be a dramatic change, um, but there will be some, uh, you know, enhancements to the role that I've had in the past. So what it's one, like in the past, you guys seem to try to make the playoffs and bring along draft picks and manage a tough salary cap situation kind of all at the same time. I'm just wondering for you, how tough was that to kind of, I guess, go in two directions at the same time? And how will this role help you kind of do your job better as general manager? I guess I can answer that in a couple ways. Uh, there's no question that it's a challenge to try to, to do both aspects of what you, you talked about there, you know, because when you're developing young players, usually you have to have a bit of patience and there's, um, there's a process that goes into place before they can become elite players in the league. And when you're simultaneously trying to stay on top, which, you know, which we were for a while, I've talked about this a lot in the past that, you know, teams and organizations, they go through different life cycles. You have teams that are, you know, clearly uh, at the top and trying to maximize where they are. You have teams that are trying to hold on to where they are and you have teams that are trying to ramp up and every organization changes over a number of years. So I don't think you have to compare where we are today with where we were in 2014. I mean, clearly we were in a different stage of the life cycle of an organization. So when you're transitioning in and out of those different phases, it's always hard to do that. It's always hard to do both. Uh, but I think you have to make uh, an effort to continually invest in younger players. And I think that's something that, you know, looking back, we want to do even more of. So we're, Climbing the mountain, which is my analogy I've used before, you know, we, we were at the top of the mountain for a while. Uh, we dropped down and now we're climbing our way back up that mountain to be an elite team. And then, you know, once we reach that point, we, we want to maintain it uh, for a number of years. And I think to do that, we have to, to really rely on the continual infusion of young players, even as you're excelling and even as you're a top team, I think that's something that's, that's going to be paramount in the coming years. So, uh, you know, you're looking for your team to take steps forward, to show progress, uh, to be a better team and build off of where you were. Uh, but you're also going to have to continue to incorporate younger players, even when you're at the top. And I think that's something that uh, we're going to really stress as we move forward. Danny said yesterday that it's ultimately your call if you ever wanted to hire a GM to handle the day-to-day stuff. Um, with your new title as president, is that something you would consider or is having complete control important to you as, as part of the process? Well, I think where we are right now, we're, we're just, uh, you know, I guess embarking on sort of a new uh, approach like we've we've talked about back in October when, um, you know, we were more open with everyone with where we're going. So I think we certainly want to see that out. Uh, and, 
you know, that's something that I guess we'll, we'll look into in time. But, you know, for right now, I, I think we're, we're just sort of at a beginning stage of this next phase. Uh, and it's something I'm, I'm thrilled about. I, I really, you know, can't stress enough how much excitement that I have for where we're headed, as well as, you know, the group that I'm part of. Danny, uh, I've had a chance to get to know him here over the last six to eight months. Uh, you know, such such a bright young voice and someone that I've learned a lot from already. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited that he's in his position here as the CEO, so I can learn a lot from him. And, you know, like I mentioned a little bit earlier with Jamie, uh, I'm just getting to know her, but I, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a great combination of the three of us working together, uh, exchanging ideas, uh, challenging one another and, um, so from that perspective, that, that's um, something I want to be actively participating in, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Danny talked about not really setting a, a firm timeline, or as he referred to it as a time horizon, but he wanted to see year-over-year progress. I was wondering if you could kind of uh, delineate in your mind uh, what you think your timetable looks like and what, how will you measure success year-over-year and if I could have a follow-up, I'd like to see if you can explain uh, how uh, you will work with uh, Danny and, and Jamie, how your roles will interact. Uh, as far as the time horizon, uh, that that's something that's hard to pinpoint an exact uh, number or uh, answer to that question. The way I would answer it is, um, you know, we... We want to develop young players so that they can take steps forward in the coming years. And, uh, you know, we saw a glimpse of that last year with a couple of young players taking a step forward, Kirby Doc in particular, uh, but even Adam Boquist, you know, two teenagers coming into the NHL and becoming, you know, regular players on our team. So as we move ahead, it, 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 the way the team looks is probably going to be the biggest benchmark for how we're doing because we need to have uh, some more young faces join that group. Um, we're never going to have a full team of young faces because that's not a realistic uh, recipe for success. You certainly need those veterans. And thankfully we've got a group of them that are not only accomplished veterans, but uh, also, you know, still big contributors to our team. And, and they're the ones that are going to be carrying the load while we incorporate younger players. So, you know, this year we, we want one or two guys who really didn't factor much last year to, to become more household names and, and same thing in the coming years. So uh, I think that would be probably the best way to, to measure if we're on the right track. Um, there's certainly going to be, you know, some unexpected things happen. That's what sports are like. And, you know, we, we all assume that what happened last year is a minimum and everyone's going to be better than they were last year. And I would love for that to be the case, but that, you know, player performance can wax and wane. So, you know, it's not a guarantee that players who had strong seasons last year will necessarily, you know, build on it. That's what we're expecting. But, Invariably, there's, um, you know, there's things that happen with with players. So that's why we need to have more than just one or two players next year coming into the mix. And in the coming, if you look at our team next year, 
and compare it to the team the year after, we need to have that infusion of young talent. Um, and once we do that over a year or two or three, we're going to have a pretty strong foundation to support those veterans. Um, you know, the veterans have done a pretty good job of maintaining their level. And that's what you expect from those players. Um, they don't necessarily, you know, expand their games at, at their stages of their careers, but they maintain it. Uh, and if they can't expand it, that's a bonus. Uh, so as far as the progression of our team, that's how I would see it going in the coming years. Uh, the second part of your question was how I envision the relationship working. Um, you know, like I said just a moment ago, I'm looking forward to learning from both of them. And I think the way you, you learn from people is you, you discuss things and you have dialogue about different idea exchange. Uh, you know, I, I certainly have a, some experience in the business world. Before I joined the Blackhawks, I, I worked in a similar field as Jamie in the consulting world. Uh, so, you know, albeit that was a, a while ago, uh, I still have an interest in that. And that's something that I want to at least participate in some of those conversations to give some ideas. And uh, one thing I've noticed over the years is sometimes when you're not super close to something, you can have a pretty good perspective on it. So, uh, you know, Jamie's great at what she does, and I think she's uh, going to bring a lot to the group. And, you know, if I can contribute some ideas to help her similarly, uh, you know, she's she's not new to hockey, uh, as I think, you know, you know, she's she's a fan of hockey. She's been around it. She was a, a billet family for uh, an NHL player. So sometimes you can get some interesting perspectives from that. And, yeah, you know, I, so I think the combination of us have working off one another and then Danny is certainly someone that I look up to as a leader, and uh, I've been very impressed getting to know him. Uh, so my relationship is is going to be a, a collaborative one going forward. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about the hockey team. We're gonna get his ideas on things. We're gonna I'm gonna discuss you know why we're doing what we're doing or things we're considering. Uh, so I really look at it as a a collaboration amongst the three of us, uh, and it's something that gets me very energized thinking about. Danny yesterday was talking about giving you line of sight within hockey ops. When you look at the hockey ops department as a whole, do you see a need to bring in some fresh eyes? I mean, even with the recent realignment of the jobs, everybody's been there for a, a, a pretty long time, a number of years. Is, is, is it a fine line to walk there between, you know, consistency and stagnancy? Uh, well, I, I don't rule that out. Uh, I think in the short term though, we've, we have had some people here for a, a, uh, a number of our people have had a lot of experience with the Blackhawks, but some of the people recently promoted, um, they really haven't had larger roles. And I think, you know, they're, they're going to get to expand. And I think one of the reasons we're giving them bigger roles is uh, I, I saw a lot of potential in them. So, you know, that's something that we're going to, uh, we'll monitor that. I, I don't rule anything like that out. Um, but where we are today and in the short term, uh, I think I want to give some of these uh, younger executives a chance to, you know, they, they have a seat at the table now in their new role before they were more in a supporting role. And I think I've, I've noticed just in the past four to five months with, with several of them, you know, they're, they're taking big initiative and they're coming up with a lot of ideas, which maybe they were, uh, you know, not as uh, putting forward as much in the past, but now that they've taken on a bigger position, 
um, they've come up to me recently with, with some really interesting thoughts and uh, they're pushing. So uh, I think we're going to see some of that. And if we need to supplement it from the outside, uh, I would have no hesitation to do that either. You always give us a very calm and, and measured approach uh, publicly, but Danny mentioned something yesterday about your, your hunger and uh, wanting to prove something that you could build this thing back up in uh, in promoting you to that role. H- how much of that drives you, especially, you know, being an apple that comes from a pretty significant tree who uh, who is uh, who is very successful uh, during his time? That's true, Chris. Uh, yeah, I think I probably don't portray that too much outwardly to the media. I- I'm very determined, very focused and extremely competitive. Uh, you know, I do this because uh, I love what I do. And uh, the challenge is what's exciting to me, the challenge of building something. Uh, honestly, that's that's even more fun sometimes than just trying the maintaining of it is not as much fun for me personally as the challenge of what's ahead. So, you know, when we're facing difficulty and, um, you know, a, a puzzle on how we're going to put this back together, that's what gets me really excited and it gets me energized. So, uh, yeah, I, I probably try to uh, keep a more calm approach and demeanor. That, that that's just the way I've always been. But you know, inside, I'm I'm very determined, and I'm I'm excited about the challenge ahead. And it's something that I wake up excited to do. I, I love that part of the game and that part of the business it, is building something. That's something that uh, I was a part of in the past, and I'm excited to be part of it now as well. Stan also said nothing new on uh, Dylan Strom. Negotiations continue with the restricted free agent. Uh, I think by all intents and purposes, we will expect whenever the Blackhawks do report to training camp, we will see uh, Dylan Strom, a deal for him, come through. He's also disappointed that his first-round draft pick, Lucas Reichel, tested positive for COVID, and he won't be competing for Germany in the upcoming World Junior Championships that start on Christmas Day, a week from today, uh, as we record here on this Blackhawks Crazy Podcast with uh, Kirby Doc certainly front and center there for Team Canada. Uh, but again, uh, Stan taking over this role, and uh, he is the guy in charge making all the calls here in hockey operations, and uh, we did include some of the lieutenants that he thought are extremely important to him that may eventually take on a a, a, a greater role, but those who have served him well, guys like, like Mark Eaton and, and Ryan Stewart and Kyle Davidson and another woman, Megan Hunter, who was recently promoted as well, those are going to be his lieutenants here moving forward and uh, trying to get this team back to uh, – Back to the back to the uh, the top, the mountain again. Yeah, I think the biggest thing or the biggest question that came out when all this news was dropped was: okay, if Stan Bowman is now the president of hockey operations, who's his general manager? If he's Theo, who's Jed? If he's Kenny Williams, who's Rick Hahn? But number one, I, I don't think they have to make that decision right now because. Being president of hockey operations, you're just basically in charge of everything. And and number two. They don't probably want to hire another person right now because everyone's in a freeze financially. So that could play a role as well. And I get it. His his direct title is president of hockey operations slash general manager. But that just seems like something they can approach further down the line. And, and like you said, there's other people that are below him that got a little elevation with this whole move, too. So all in all, it 
garners a little bit more responsibility for everybody else and instead of somebody who's maybe in an advisory role they're more in a of or closer to a decision making role which can be good for the overall organization uh, the other thing that came up about Stan Bowman's competitive spirit, and I know we were ironically talking before, it's it's great when athletes or front office people say, you know, I'm very fired up and really excited to get going with this. But uh, again, I think, I think there's something to take from that, the fact that Stan Bowman is not r- relishing on the success of the past. He's still talking about and still looking at the long-term factor of this whole Blackhawks organization and how to move forward with it. And I know this all comes into how he wants to be more transparent with the fans and with everything that's going on. So, again, I think that's important to see from the guy making the decisions just of the overall product. And it's it's not just, this is what I've done, it's this is what we're going to do. And I, I think there is something to be said about that. Again, I understand your your criticisms out there. They, they have validity, but that still ne- needs to be said about what Stan Bowman thinks about this organization moving forward. The reset button takes a while and uh, some take a little, uh, some are a little quicker than others, but by and large, I think you have to expect the reset button to take a while. And uh, that's a process that uh, not a lot of people are happy with. uh, with. And uh, again, it's always an I want it now society (laughs) right now, but uh, um, you know, they are certainly, uh, trying to build things up as best as they can, and uh, it's under Stan Bowman's watch that we'll see how quickly they can they can make that. Uh, the timetable question, both from Stan and Danny, was uh, was kind of a what it's more about seeing progress year to year. That's what they're trying to emphasize, and, and that's what's going to be most important because um, you know uh, once you try and patch some holes, all of a sudden some of those you know holes you're going to find down the road become a whole lot deeper and a whole lot more difficult to fill uh real quickly here as as we wrap things up significant news on thursday and that henrik lundquist has a a heart situ a heart problem and uh the former new york ranger who is moving on to the washington capitals isn't going to be able to play this year while he and his uh, medical team try to uh, address that, and that is certainly significant in terms of one of the contenders for the Stanley Cup not being able to uh, rely on a future Hall of Famer in, in the net. And uh, I guess the other thing we have to talk about before wrapping up and before we talk about your hair is the fact that the, N- the NHL is certainly going through a painstaking process of trying to figure out what our ideal plan is, what the backup plan is, what the backup to the backup plans are. It seems like there's something new every day, Joe. And the last thing that we heard on Thursday evening was the fact that, you know, these Canadian teams that are originally trying to have their own division above the border, those seven teams, may not be able to play above the border with different provinces having different rules in relation to COVID. And they may have to play all their games below the border somewhere in the United States. And that blows up this whole divisional alignment. You might go back to where we were originally with everyone playing south of the border. So as frustrating it is for me, for you, for all the fans out there, and for all of us wanting to get back to work and see hockey again, um, the NHL is, is going through a painstaking process of, you know, uh, yeah, and they can be faulted for this, trying to figure out every potential pothole that they could step into that may be slowing down the process. And as we all hope for January 13th, if nothing's wrapped up by this weekend, we may see the calendar push back a little bit more as they, 
you know, uh, they try to cover their backsides in every situation. I was lucky enough to sneak in my wedding this year before all of COVID went down. And what this whole Canadian realignment reminds me of is, let's say you mark down 10 of your relatives from out of town for not coming to the wedding. And then uh, a few weeks before the wedding, hey, guess what? We all got off work. We are coming down. So now you got to squeeze in another table. Who do I move out of here? Can we fit in a whole nother table of people to this party? And yeah, it's uh, that's a bombshell, and it, it's honestly just seemed like this whole thing has kind of been a standstill, and then it, like you said, problem after problem keeps arising, and it doesn't help that, again, it, it breaks down with money and finances, and, and that slows down free agency, and that yeah. slows down contracts, and everything is just kind of at a standstill, and it's it's honestly remarkable that basketball was able to figure it all out and you know really get the ball rolling, no pun intended, in that regard. But well, hopefully they have their backup plans in place too. Yeah, and, <laughs> no, that's that's very true. That's very true. But it, and it's it's crazy too because I mean, think about it. Not too long ago, we were talking about the Blackhawks not signing Corey Crawford, and it just seemed like okay, here we go. We get to our regular NHL free agency, and then we'll have somewhat in an abbreviated season next year. But it it is. A few days, it's a week before Christmas, and we still do not know when the NHL season is going to begin. Well, hopefully there will be some announcement here soon. They can uh, dot all their T's and cross all their I's. Uh, it's been that kind of year. Figure, Might as well do that. This yeah. Joe, your wedding, I think, was the highlight of 2020. <laughs> so we were talking before the podcast about uh, some images that we've seen in terms of what 2020 actually has been that we won't share right here. I'm sure you can, on the interweb, you can find different things uh, in, in reference to 2020. But uh, it, it has just been a total challenge, a total mess, and everyone is just trying to deal with it as uh, best as they can, hopefully, those who you know uh, think of others too. So uh, in terms of thinking of others as well, uh, the big news at WGN over the last couple of weeks has been whether Joe Brand is is going to get his going to get his locks shorn. And uh, even though ideally our buddy David Hochberg and and John Williams and Salvation Army uh, didn't get you totally bald, uh, there were steps taken, and uh, you're ready for GQ uh, as I, as I as I walked in here and uh, saw the new do. Wow! Again, you got to lower the bar a little bit. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, wow, can't say enough for everybody and anybody that donated, no matter how big, how small. But this thing kind of took on a a mind of its own, and David Hochberg has a lot of ideas and a lot of interchangeable ideas because— At least you don't look like his hair That's very, very true. Uh, I think think secretly he just wanted to do it, too. He wanted to have an excuse to go crazy And for those who don't know— those who don't know, David Hochberg got a little color. has a red head, and I don't mean you know like a typical red. He has red hair, like Blackhawk red, with a white stripe down the middle, and he could not have been more ecstatic to get that done yesterday at Salon Donato in Palatine. Uh, some fantastic people over there that that did a great job. But yeah, basically, I had been growing out my hair since quarantine began. David Hochberg sparked this idea that. If we raise $50,000, I have to cut it. And then it went to $75,000. I had to buzz it off. But $100,000, I got to keep it. We changed the rules a little bit each week, it seemed. But basically... It's kind of like the NHL trying to figure out their yeah, season. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, Chicago raised pretty much $170,000 for the Salvation Army. Again, cannot say more than... Uh, 
cannot say more to the the fine folks and ladies and gentlemen that were able to donate, but you know, with everybody donating money and David Hochberg offering up his head to look like a c- complete buffoon, <laughs> I thought the least I could do is still get a haircut. And yeah, I took the the cheap and easy way out, but. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I had a, a great time spending two hours on the air with John Williams. He really knows how to run a Radiothon fundraiser. Uh, I, it's honestly a day I won't forget. It, it was a, an honor to be a part of, and I, I'm glad I was. If I was able to help inspire people to donate money, so be it. I don't think I deserve any credit whatsoever, but it was a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. And I'm sure a lot of people around here are sick and tired about hearing about my hair, so I'm kind of <laughs> happy to be moving on from it as well. Is the wifey happy with it though? She, it. you know what? She, uh, she hasn't seen it yet. She was not a fan at first, but clearly she can't shoot down charity. She was like, she was not a fan <laughs> of. Scrooge. <laughs> Me cutting it all off, but uh, she said she does like it when it's very, very short on the sides, and yeah, basically uh, a one and a half on the sides is what I go for. Very good. Uh, props to you. Props to David, John Williams, everybody. Uh, I think that gold coin is still out there somewhere that we see every year dropped in a kettle along uh, Michigan Avenue, so I don't know how that's going to happen this year, but that whoever does that is uh, certainly uh, diligent in, in making it happen every year. I'm sure we'll hear something about that shortly, but uh, good on all you guys uh, for doing that. You're a braver man than I, uh, and uh, even though I've been kind of letting mine, uh, mine grow out as well uh, with yeah, various I, suggestions. I can't match you with the hockey mullet anymore. We had a good thing going during in quarantine well it'll come back maybe That's true. you can uh hopefully uh um we'll get back to our professional looks at, at <laughs> some point here when we have to report to games and whatnot but uh good on all you guys for uh, raising all that money for the salvation army and that really is the spirit of the season we hope you guys are doing well in the spirit of the season we want to wish everyone uh happy holidays merry christmas happy new year and uh hanukkah kwanzaa whatever you are celebrating right now despite all the the hurdles that we have had to jump through for 2020. We hope uh, we all of us uh, can, can understand what this time of the year truly uh, means and are able to enjoy it as much as possible. We've enjoyed being with you on this Blackhawks Crazy Podcast, and hopefully when the NHL finalizes something, we'll have a fresh edition for you, whether it's over the weekend or Monday or Tuesday. They got to get on the horse and and uh, finish this thing off if there's going to be a hockey season. Hopefully that certainly happens soon. want to thank uh, Ernie Scatton for his production abilities and expertise uh thanks as well to our producer curtis coke and to you for listening for joe brand i'm chris bowden thanks for listening to this blackhawks crazy podcast hope to talk to you again sometime soon with news on an nhl season happy holidays everyone thanks for listening to the blackhawks crazy podcast tell a friend subscribe and join the conversation and follow the guys on twitter at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great.